we often forget or overlook or brush aside that deepest of longing within our hearts. But it is our Lord Jesus Christ who fills the holes that we have in our heart. He is the fulfillment of the ultimate yearning of our hearts. And it's when we are engaged in praise and worship to him that we realize that following him, that worshiping him, that letting his spirit live in and through us is the ultimate fulfillment to our lives. I want to um, invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 1. And we're going to be reading Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Actually, uh, you know, I've been using the, the NLT version recently for uh, the past several months, maybe over a year now. But um, today we're going to be reading out of the New King James because um, it's pretty similar to the way I learned this chapter years ago in the actual, uh, in the old King James. By the way, speaking of Bibles, uh, there is a lovely Bible up here, very nice, that someone left a couple of weeks ago. So if this looks familiar, if you haven't had your devotion in a couple of weeks, you need to come see me afterward and uh, claim your Bible. Uh, but it is up here, and it's a beautiful Bible. It just didn't have a name in it, so uh, please don't let that uh, go without picking it up. Psalms chapter 1, and uh, we'll, we'll begin, be, begin reading in verse 1. If you would please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would take the reading and proclamation of your word and bless it, use it. By your spirit, may our spirits be open and sensitive to your work, and may you make us more like Jesus, and may you put us on the right path. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. There is a near certainty that uh, through the next few weeks, as what I call graduation season gets rolling... You're going to hear some certain words over and over again. I pondered a little bit this week about uh, graduation speakers. That is an interesting job. You know, now I'm a speaker, and I know that not everybody is always completely interested in everything I have to say, but hopefully there is a, at least a small percentage of you that came here today saying, hmm, wonder what Brother Tim's going to say today. But nobody goes to a graduation to say, I can't wait to hear these inspiring words that are going to be given to me by the Board of Education superintendent or by Mayor so-and-so. No, 
We're there to see sweetie graduate. We want to see our child or our neighbor or our grandchild graduate, and we're hoping and praying that they get through those speeches as quickly as possible. Well, maybe there is some similarity, quickly as possible. I've, I've heard that before, but you will hear, most likely, if you go to one or more graduations this year, you will hear these words. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood, yada, 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 so on and so forth, blah, 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 two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. Speaking of Google, which we learned is not always accurate this morning, um, Google tells us that this poem is the number one most popular poem, not only in the United States, but in the world, according to Google. More people Google, two roads diverged, or the road not taken, which is the actual title of this poem by Robert Frost, And it's also said, the funny thing is, if you Google it, the high and mighty poem professors, the ones who are experts and tell you what everything means, they say, we have all gotten it wrong. That as graduation speakers and the general general public, we think this is all about individuals taking that road less traveled and being different from everyone else. But they say, oh, no, no, that was not what it's all about. Uh, It's about some regret. The road not taken is actually the title. People thinking about what if. You guys have been thinking for quite a while, what if, but your what ifs are in the future. You have been um, pressured. (laughs) You have been questioned. You have been interrogated almost for the past couple of years about your upcoming plan. Caleb's saying, yes, I got a witness right here. Everyone asks you, and there's such pressure, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? What are you going to study? And, and you're just, you know, deer in the headlights. It's really tough because you're constantly being pressured and asked this. And so there's these what if, what if, what if. But the poem is about a different what if. It's about a what if looking back. You see, uh, he had, Robert Frost had a, another friend who was also a poet, and they liked to go and, and go through the New England woods and, and kind of go hiking, and they would go on these paths, and his friend always would say, let's go on this path because it looks more interesting. But every time they would get to the end of the journey, and he'd say, ah, I bet that other path was better. I bet that there was such beautiful things on that other path if only we had gone that way. And so Robert Frost actually made that poem kind of as a little jab at his friend, but also letting us know that, that in, in time, there's times in life in which we say that this path that we took made all the difference, but we don't always know what the other path is. We have no way of knowing what if I hadn't gone to this college but gone to this one. What if I hadn't chose this career We think we know, we imagine, and lots of times, oh, my life would have been so much better, but we don't know that. We're not guaranteed the certainties. But it is comforting to know that although I cannot stand here and tell you today exactly what career, who you should date, where you should go to school, you're going to have to figure those things out with lots of help from mom and dad. But I can tell you 
that there is a divergence of the ropes. There is a choice of path that you're at right now because you're at this place where you guys are either already 18 or about to be 18. You're legal adults, and I know that you think that. I asked Caleb when he turned 18, how does it feel to be an adult? He said, well, I felt like that since 16. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, you've acted like that since earlier, you know. I mean, you know, I know that you have felt grown and big and wiser than your parents for quite a few years now, but legally now, you guys are all recognized by the law and by society somewhat as adults, you know. Adults are still going to say college kids, and we're going to still say, oh, my kids in college, but legally, you're adults. You're at a place where mom and dad are going to still be strongly advising you and, and, and with you, encouraging you, but... You have to make choices. In the eyes of the law, the law says, this country says, it's up to you. It's up to you, each of you, how you live your lives. Mom and dad can advise, but you have to choose. And the Bible tells us that there are two paths ahead of us, two choices. In Joshua, God puts it this way, I've set before you life and death, curses and blessings. In Psalm 1 that we read, which is an introduction to the whole book of Psalms, it's basically saying when you read all the Psalms, all this wisdom literature, much of it came from King David and other people, there's two paths, two roads in life. And if we're honest, nobody, none of these adults in here, even the angelic grandmothers in here, none of them have stayed on the right path the entire... <laughs> I said, angelic grandmother, and Judy looks over at Jeff, and he looks at her. I, I like that. Uh, we, we like to think of our... Yeah. Uh, none of us, let's say, stay on that correct path all the time. But to the degree that we stay on God's path or the world's path, the path of Christ or the path of the enemy... The degree that we stay on one path or the other really determines our destination in life. Andy Stanley did a series on, called Destinations, and, and I love what he said. He said, there is a principle in life called the principle of the path that you cannot violate. All the wishful thinking in the world cannot violate this path. The, the principle of the path is this, direction determines destination. Direction determines destination. Therefore, if, if I go north, I don't care how much I say, I want to go to the beach, I want to go to the beach, I want to go to the beach, I'm not going to end up at Gulf Shores if I go north because my direction is sending me towards Memphis or somewhere else up north. And so I think that all five of you here today, if I was to ask you, if I was to take the mic and say, now I'd like to know, Dylan Giger, uh, are you going to be an ungodly, sorry, no good individual, or do you want to serve Jesus? We know what that answer will be. Yes, I want to serve Jesus. I, I want to live for him. I want to have a good Christian life. You'd all say that. You all wish for that and want that. But here's the thing. You can wish that all you want, and yet if the direction of your life 
If the path of your life is going towards destruction, is going towards empty or meaningless things, you will not arrive at fulfillment and blessing one day. You will arrive where you've been heading. The Bible teaches this very clearly. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. In other words, you're not going to pull one over on God. Whatever someone plants, whatever they sow, the old term was sowing, whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Just like whatever direction you're going, that's where you're going to arrive. Now let's think just a couple of minutes about what this verse says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now, here's the visual image. The right path, the person who is on the right way, the young woman or young man, they do not start walking along, alongside ungodly people. They do not stop and stand and hang out with those who are doing the wrong things, going the wrong places. They do not sit, the Bible says, in the seat of mockers. In other words, it is so easy to get in the wrong crowd in the wrong direction. You can simply be passing by. You can simply be walking, going on your path. Hey, he's a cool guy. I mean, I don't think he really knows God, but I mean, I got to love everybody. I'm just going to hang out with him. And before long, we've stopped to talk and we're spending more time together. And the, the next word he uses is sinner. That is not only are his, he doesn't believe in God, but he's doing the wrong actions, the wrong thing. And before long, we've just stopped. Our progression with the Lord isn't going anywhere. Our faith in him, our, our journey has been stalled. And we're with, at this point, scoffers or mockers. That is people who say, <laughs> that, that Christianity stuff, that's good Sunday school stuff. I used to believe that. I went to VBS when I was a kid. I went to youth group, but I'm, I'm way beyond that. And you'll, you'll come across a lot of people in your adult life where it's a college or career. They're going to say, now, come on. I know your parents made you, or I know you hung out because the youth group was cool, but... Come on, grow up. And the more you spend time around those folks, the Bible says you get stuck in their way. But the person who's on God's path chooses not to do that. Instead, it says this, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also does not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Don't. Wouldn't you all like to prosper, to su succeed, to have significance and meaning in your life? God says, Here's exa that's exactly what you'll find if you go in the right path. But listen closely. He does not say, there's some trees that are beautiful and they're, they're producing fruit and they're doing great. This is a, this is a symbol, by the way, of su a success in life of productivity, of really being fulfilled. He doesn't say there's some trees that just randomly got successful. They just kind of wished that things would go well, and, and somehow they did. Instead, he says they are planted 
by the rivers of water. In other words, it's an intentional choice on your part to say, I'm going to plant myself in God's word. I'm going to plant myself around the right kind of people, people who will lift me up and not bring me down. I'm going to plant myself in the path that God wants me to be in. So, the, pl- the path of blessing and the path of cursing. You can easily end up over here by mistake. You can wander into it. Jesus said, broad is the path that ends in destruction, and many find it. But he said, narrow is the way that leads to life, and only a few, because there's only a few people who actually say, I'm going for it. I'm going to live just as God called me to intentionally. And then he says, you know those, those blessings? They're, those trees, they're rooted, they're permanent. They've got, they've got something of substance to them. He said the ungodly are not that way. Life for them doesn't look that way. He says this, they're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Now, I've, you thought your tests were over, right? You, you said, I'm a senior, I'm exempt, I don't have any more tests, but you've got a final test right now. I want one of the five of you to tell me the definition of chaff. C-H-A-F-F, chaff. Oh, I think I hear something. The, the debris off of the farm? The straw, the hay? Oh, very close, very close. Chaff, I had to look it up too, by the way. Okay, uh, <laughs> chaff. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've never messed around with any chaff that I know of. It wasn't something that I did. Chaff, when I looked it up, I did think it had to do with wheat, and it can, but also with corn. You can call either one. It is when you thresh it or winnow it, when you get rid of the garbage, it's the junk that's light and fluffy, and it just blows away. Now, imagine if you decide, I'm going to celebrate graduating, And you're really weird in the way you like to celebrate because you say, I'm going to get some Rice Krispies. And I'm going to take these Rice Krispies and I'm going to throw them in the air and I'm going to show how much to the world how much I've accomplished by catching them all in my mouth. Ah, you know, you're you're going to let them all fall down in your mouth. Imagine you go to do that and you're sure you can do it. You toss them up and you're waiting and then the wind blows. Snap, crackle, pop. There they go. They're all gone because they're so light. They, they have no weight to them. There's no permanence. They all blow away. Well, this was the junk that came off of the wheat or the corn. It wasn't the real stuff. I mean, it may have looked good. Oh, that's, that's golden and flaky. Sounds like a potato chip. You know, I mean, it, it looks good. But if you took a bite of corn and, you know, there's... You had not shucked it. You had not cleaned it yet. It wouldn't be very good. If you took a bite of grain and the chaff was still on it, it wouldn't be good. Now, I don't know what, like I said, I I didn't know what chaff is. I didn't know about threshing or winnowing. But I grew up with pecan trees at my house, so I did know about pecans being cracked and blown. Do you guys know about pecans being cracked and blown? Any clue? Any idea what that means? Okay, we're about to have a lesson. So you thought you were done with tests and lessons. When you crack and blow pecans, it means that those shells are cracked. Now, that makes sense. It's, you know, because they're hard to crack and you don't have to, they're already cracked, but it's cracked and blown. 
Why do you want to blow the pecans? Well, there's these beautiful little narrow ridges in pecans. They look so nice, but they have this stuff in them. Is there a word for that stuff? Does, does anyone know what you call that stuff? I don't know. Bitter. Yeah, the word is bitter. Because if that stuff has not gotten blown out, if it hasn't been removed, you take that pecan in your mouth and you say, oh, this is going to be great. And you eat it and it tastes horrible. You spit it out. It's one of the worst things you can imagine. It ruins the whole taste. And what that reminded me of is in this life, you can have a lot of good intentions. You can really want to do well. But if you aren't very serious about getting rid of the junk in your life that keeps you from the right path, then life can turn out bitter. The rest of your life can be good, but a few small things. And let me tell you, that stuff in pecans, it's really small. It's really narrow. But just a small amount of it harms your life. God is saying, get rid of the extra junk. It's why he says in the book of Hebrews, he said, get rid of every uh, thing that ties you down, the sins that entangle you, and the extra weights. So get rid of the bad stuff, and you know it's bad, but also there's some extra stuff. It's not really bad. It's just extra. And you're going to go off into your career, or you're going to go off to college, and you're going to be tempted to get involved and to do everything in the world. And before you know it, you're beat down, you're weighted down, because you got too much extra stuff. And it's not extra in the good way. It is bad stuff that weighs you down. So here you go. In this life, there is a path before you. You don't have to be in a yellow wood, but there are diverging paths wherever you go. And you may not know what's the best career, what's the best person to date. You may not know a lot of things, but you always know that the right path is the path that God leads you on. It's the path of doing the right things that you've been taught in his word. And how do you remember those things? How do you know them? Here's the final thing I want to say. The most important thing in this whole chapter. Listen to this. In verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. How do you make sure if you're not constantly at church, if you don't constantly have your youth minister or your pastor or your parents with you, how do you make sure that you choose the right paths in life? King David said, you do it by keeping yourself in God's word. And you may not always be reading it 24-7, but he says, be thinking about it. That's what meditating, mulling it over What is God's will, his plan for my life? What has he been teaching me? And that's how you choose the right path, the path of blessing and significance for your life. And that's the the choice that I hope you'll make, the path that you'll go on each and every day as God blesses you in your future. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful for these five people. God, you've done things in their lives, in the family's lives, to bring them to this point. And, and a lot of those things have been fun things, 